This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Welcome to News Podcast. My name is Saul Monali at Saul Monali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Adam Spolane making his debut to the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we have a lot to talk about. Lots happened in the past 24 hours for the Rockets. So I figure we go chronological. Let's start with Daniel House. Daniel House gets converted yesterday at like 5 p.m. around that time. Yeah, I think it was around 4 or 5 o'clock. Yeah, he gets he gets converted at 5 p.m. to a rest of the season contract. Basically just like what him and his agent wanted. That's, that's what they wanted. They just waited two months in order right. to get it. And now he becomes a restricted free agent this summer. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out just because he was a starter. When he left here, he was a starter when he was sent away, and now you figure he's behind a lot of guys, and it's going to be hard for him, I think, to work his way into the rotation. Yeah, he didn't even play tonight against no. the Warriors. Yeah, and it's they obviously they didn't have Shumpert, they didn't have Kenneth Faree, they didn't have a lot of these guys, and now he's coming back into a spot where he has to fight for minutes. You're right, and it was the whole st- stalemate to me, pretty much summed down to who was going to blink first. The Rockets camp and would they blink and give him the conversion or would the you know would house in his camp cave and get take three year deal? I'm actually surprised that they got this they got their way out of this. I am too, and I mean we've talked about it a lot just over the last few months, and I think that we both figured that when they sent him down in January, that was going to be it, and right. it just didn't seem like the Rockets were ever going to blink, and it just seemed like they were going to stay and they were going to do do things the way that they wanted. But then we talked about this a lot right after the trade deadline when they really didn't make much. You know, they had the open roster spots, okay. they needed to sign guys, and it kind of felt like there was an opening for them to bring him back. It just took an extra five, six weeks for them to actually do it. And then there was a whole luxury tax implication behind all this. Like the Rockets were waiting to where they, if they converted him, they'd get, they'd still be under the luxury tax. They're waiting for that date to kick in. That happened like a week ago, something like that. And now, now they're good for the rest of the season. Now they're going to stay under the luxury tax. They'll still be flexible this summer. I'm not quite sure what they'll have to re-sign him if when he's a restricted free agent. So what I'm told is he'll, they're going to definitely have the taxpayer mid-level exception. I'm not sure if they're going to have the mid-level exception. That's something I still haven't quite cleared up yet. I need to talk to some cap people about that. Yeah, I'm not sure either just because they aren't a tax team. Right. So you figure that they had the mid-level, but I'm confused by it just because they signed P.J. Tucker using the mid-level. So I I, I was always under kind of the impression that you can't have two guys on the mid-level at the same time. So I don't know. I'm interested to find out how that works out. And they also used some of it. They signed Gary Clark to part of the taxpayer MLE and they signed Isaiah Hardenstein. Yeah. So they they have about I think it's they have about 3 million left. 3. Right. Point something million 3. left 4, on the taxpayer MLE. Right. Yeah. So they have a good bit of it left. So theoretically they they could sign somebody right now with the rest of it. We know they're not going to obviously because they want to stay under that tax. Though they will have to get to 14. They have to stay at 14. Right. And Terrence Jones's second 10 day is up I think tomorrow. So right. I, I think tomorrow being Thursday. Um 
So they have to make a decision on him now. If they don't want to extend him the rest of the year, then they would have to sign another guy. And so they, there's still some stuff that has to be worked out. But the gymnastics that they've done to be able to stay under the tax is pretty impressive. It is impressive. Not, it is. not just, I should say, get under the tax and then be able to stay under. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah. And part of it is also, like, a lot of guys they were going after got went to other teams. Like, I, I really believe, in my heart of hearts, I really believe they thought they had a chance at Marquise Morris. I really think that they they thought that slipped away from them because I thought nobody really saw OKC coming in there and taking Marquise last minute. Like it, I, it really came down to, in my opinion, the Lakers or the Rockets. And so when that happened, I think the Rockets immediately went into, if we're going to be here, we might as well stay under the tax. Exactly. And you heard Daryl Morey say after the trade deadline, we're going to be, we expect to be big players in, in the buyout market. And that really didn't materialize. And right. you, you wonder if they are disappointed in how that worked out. But at the same time, I don't know if they care too much. This because roster's pretty deep right Yeah, now. because the, the roster's a lot deeper than I think that we realized it could be. And they also were able to stay under the tax. And right. staying under the tax, I think, turns out to be huge for them just because it opens up some doors for them, not just next year, but the year after. Yeah, and they don't have to worry about having a bad contract in the books, which I think is a big part that fans kind of neglect. Like, having a big contract in the books that you can't move hurts your flexibility like crazy. It, it, you just It's just hard to make trades when you have a contract like Brandon Knight on the books. It's just impossible. Well, and it, it also makes it so that you lose your first round picks. Right. And they haven't made their, and they obviously had to trade a first round pick to get rid of Brandon Knight. Mm -hmm. And so they haven't made their own first round pick since, since Clint Capella. And that's going on a long time since they've been able to make their own first round pick. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do this summer. But you look at the guys that are under contract, there's not a bad contract out that they have on the roster as of now. So you figure that they'll, that they won't have to use that first round pick to attach to a bad contract. They'll actually be able to use a first round pick if they want to, to actually get a real player. Right. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting to see how they navigate their next first round picks. They've done a pretty good job. I feel like at at using their first round picks because a lot of teams just throw around first round picks and it ends up hurting them like crazy. But I feel like they've really used their first round picks to a a smart degree. Let's talk about uh, Daryl Morey because he, Obviously, had some big news happen to him yesterday. He got extended for a five-year extension. So I talked to Jonathan Fagan about this today. I'm not quite sure what year that extension ends because he did get an extension in 2017. Mm-hmm. It was like a three-year extension under the old regime, under under Les Alexander. So I'm not quite sure if this goes to 2027 because he's already up until 2022 or if this goes five years starting now. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know if Daryl knows either. <laughs> Which I think Jonathan yeah. said he tweeted out at, at one point today. So it's good to have stability in that spot. And like you said, you know, Daryl was hired under less, and now you have the ownership change. And you know, Tillman could have brought somebody else in, one of his own people, and right. he decided to stay the course with what they have in basketball ops, and for good reason. Yeah, and that's a big thing. That's a real thing that happens when you get a new owner in here. They they often want to bring in their own guys. And seeing some stability happen with the Rockets is obviously a good thing. Um, and it looks like, I, I read in the, the Fagan article today, that they want to extend Mike D'Antoni this summer, which I thought was a possibility. And by, I think Media Day this summer, they talked about how they really want to keep Mike in-house. And this gives them the opportunity because they did pick up his option for next season. This summer, they can extend him to a significant offer sheet. I'm actually curious to see how how long he wants to coach. That's something I'm curious in finding out. I I do, too. He's in, what, his mid to late 60s at this point. But, listen, being an NBA coach is hard. Yeah. But 
he's you don't got get jobs it, like this. No, he's exactly. He's got it really good where he his vision of what he wants to do it's perfect for the organization that he's at because he can just say to Harden and to Paul do what you do. I'm going to put you in the best position that I can. And they're able to take up so much of the, so much of the mantle for him. Coaching staff has been really solid. So it really sets up perfectly for him. Right. The vertical alignment with this organization is really fantastic. The ownership is real. Is now we know is fully behind the general manager and Daryl Morey and the, gen, the general manager wants to bring back Mike D'Antoni. So it, it's great. It's great. Like I, this is really positive news for Rockets. I think Daryl Morey is one of the three best executives in the NBA. Like he's really, really good. At and, what he does. and remember, he had an opportunity to talk to Philly right uh, over the spring, and he declined to. They do tried that, to so, poach him. Right? Yeah, and, and so he he said that he wants to be here the rest of his career, and I think that's important. And just to be able to have, like you said, a, a GM. This is now twelve years that he's been their GM to be able to have somebody in that role for as long as they have I think that's a huge huge plus and you don't see that that often right I think the Rockets haven't had a losing season in like 12 years that. like they're they've been 500 or better for a long time and I, that's been largely under Daryl Morey I think 06 they had a losing year when right. everybody was hurt and I think maybe one of the Adelman years where they were right outside the playoffs, they might have been forty-one and forty-one, something like that. I think like that's that. what it was. I think it was forty-one, uh, yeah. forty-one. I mean, they've never bottomed out, basically. Right. The, the last time they really bottomed out was that year when, and that was before Daryl got here. Right. Was the Derek Anderson Rockets year when Yao and McGrady both got hurt at the same time? Rebuilding from the middle is damn near impossible, and he and he he set out a blueprint to a lot of teams to actually. Hey, it's possible. Like the, I think that's what the Clippers are trying to do. They're trying to follow the Rockets model. Let's stay competitive. Let's stay good. Let's acquire assets, and once that superstar trade comes along we'll be ready for it the, the one difference though is that he basically did it with the trade and you're seeing a lot of these teams trying to do it with cap space and signing superstars i think in in a sense the the best the better way to look at it is almost indiana where right, they ha- they had the star and they traded the star and they got back a star in return and that's kind of it, it's a little bit different because they traded the star the rockets big stars got hurt at, 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 at you know, as opposed to what the Pacers went through, I think that might be a better way because Indiana has not had a top pick at any point, right? And they were able to to rebuild a couple of times exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's it's a it's an impressive job what he's done here. It, it is really really impressive, and um, having that stability I think is really important because obviously the Rockets have James Harden locked under contract till that's the big one. That's yeah, the big part of stability, right? It's four years after this one. Yeah, so it, it, they have him under contract for a long time. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah, it's he, he's going to be here for a long time, and it's nice to see that the key players, you know, Daryl Morey, Mike D'Antoni, James Harden, Chris Paul, all those, Clint, even Clint Capella is going to be here for a while. So the Rockets are going to be a really, really good basketball team yeah, for a and, long time. And, and that's the threesome that they have always talked about. And I think D'Antoni said this, I think it was after the, the Hornets game the other day, where when they have those three, Harden, CP and Capella, they are really tough to beat, and they're going to be together for a while. I think their record when those three are playing is like 24 and like 5 or something. It's like they have the win percentage of like a 56-1 basketball team. And it was obviously better last year right? when the three of them played together. Yeah, yeah. So they're obviously an impressive threesome to keep in to keep in house. You want to talk about the game tonight? Sure. Yeah, so Rockets lose in a very, very close battle against the Golden State Warriors. Um, a game that I thought could really have gotten away from the Rockets at any point. Like there was, there was an opportunity in the second quarter from the for them to first really quarter lose. even. Yeah, the first quarter even. Yet for them to really get beyond the eight ball, and they stayed. And credit to them, they stayed in it. Um, lost it late down the end, and they almost came stole that game. They almost stole that game. Chris Paul came down, uh, hit the 
I think it was like a float. I don't know what that shot was, where he kind of pushed off with his elbow and hit hit that layup in the in the middle of the paint. And then James Harden came down, hit that mid range jumper. Uh, they were within two or three points the whole time down the stretch, and it was a really great game to watch. To be honest, I think they closed the game on a fifteen four run. Fourteen two, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. They uh, there was the uh, you know there was a travel that probably got missed. Well, when they when they did foul uh, Curry yeah. there at the end, I, you know, a couple things that didn't go their way. I thought the Warriors though were really good. I yeah. thought the Warriors were just sensational. Yeah. in this game and especially defensively, they yeah. really bothered Harden. Yeah, like they took away a lot of driving lanes for Harden. Yeah, and, and they did that early, and they they did that often, and it's what they do, and, and they're so good, and they're so smart, and it's easy to forget that just because all the drama that winds up surrounding that team. But they were they were so sharp, even early in the game. I mean, you just watch their first few sets, their first few possessions, and they had just great looks. Iguodala missed a dunk, I think, on their very first possession. Uh, they missed a uh, Iguodala actually missed a wide open three too. I think on their third, it, they just they were so sharp in this game. That team, that team is so good. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, and, and you could tell. And this is without Durant, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and you could tell after that Phoenix loss, they really wanted to come in here and make it. I mean, that's what Curry said. You know, we want we, we, the good thing about the NBA is we you can come into Houston tonight and make a statement like this. And he's right. And the the Warriors pretty much don't have to care at all for the rest of the season because they're pretty secure in that number one seed right now. Uh, Denver is how many games beyond them right now? I think they were two games back. Let me check after tonight. Uh, and they've got the tiebreaker on Denver, I would imagine. Right. I think they're 2-1 and one against the Nuggets. I don't know if they play them again. So uh, the division They're a game break- and a half up. Yeah. The division tiebreakers are really coming into effect now. I, I, it's it's something I didn't see coming towards the beginning of the season that it'd come down to like, okay, the Rockets are going to win their division, the Nuggets are going to win their division. Now our one-on-one records really matter, mm-hmm. and the Rockets have to win their game against Denver to really secure that um, that tiebreaker if they really get close right now. Because again, they're only. Well, many- Rockets are four back in the loss column of Denver, so that's yeah. that's that's looking unlikely. It's really hard to make up four games when you have fourteen games left. Yeah. The team to look at obviously is Oklahoma City, and they're now tied. Both teams are forty-two and twenty-six, and that game eighty-two could wind up being really really important going forward. Yeah, Rockets play the Warriors in game eighty-two. It's it's Thunder. gonna. What happened? Thunder. You the, said Warriors. I'm saying yes. The Thunder. Sorry. Yeah, the, the Rockets play the Thunder game 82. It's going to be interesting because the Rockets have actually a pretty softish schedule coming down the stretch. It, they're like 22nd in strength of schedule last time I checked. Um, and the Thunder have a really difficult schedule to close it out. They, well, just, they play the Warriors on Saturday. Yeah. And just off the top of my head, I know the Rockets play Phoenix twice. They, play, they have a back-to-back with Sacramento, I think, at the end of the month. Um they're done with the Warriors now. Do they? They they might play Utah one more time. Like you said, the schedule isn't overly difficult. The rest of the way, um, and I know just look, I saw a projection where they are projected to finish third right. in the Western Conference. And if they that's that's the target. Right. Third is the target because then you get to avoid the Warriors in round one, and you Stay get to avoid that. Yeah. You get to avoid that Portland Oklahoma City duo in the first round too, and that's big because I think there's a clear drop off after you get from the top five in the West right now. So have your thoughts changed on this team from where it was like a month ago? Because I'm having a, t- a tough time grasping where I think they are in the contendership race. I did not think they had any chance to yeah. beat the Warriors a couple months ago. Okay. I softened on that a little bit just because you've seen how good they have been over during this nine-game winning streak. And you see the Warriors starting to come back to the pack a little bit. 
I still think the Warriors are better, and I would still expect the Warriors to win a seven-game series if these two teams were to meet. But it's they are closer to last year right now than I ever thought that they would be. Yeah. And you look at Daryl Morey did a podcast. I think it was Zach Lowe um, a couple weeks ago, and he said that they were. He, he said he thought that they would be better set up for the playoffs this year than they were last year. And when you look at the way the roster looks right now, it, it really isn't. And they have things they they have pieces on this roster that would have helped them a lot last year. Austin Rivers is huge for them. And having that fourth guard and having especially not just what he can do in terms of offensively and in running offense and getting to the rim, but defensively he's so good. And and that's Kelly something. Kelly will tell you. Our guy Kelly Iko has yeah. the stats on him guarding Curry tonight. He did a great, he did a great job. Yeah, and that's something that they've really lacked in the past. They're small. They're quicker than they were last year, which I right. think you need against the Warriors. Uh, listen, the rebounding's an issue, and the fact that they were just destroyed on the glass. They had a possession game. tonight where I think they got five offensive rebounds on them. Like that's where that can't happen yeah. against the Warriors. Like any mistake against the Warriors is like amplified by like 50. Like you can't miss open corner threes. Like what PJ t- Tucker did tonight to start the game. Cause that comes back to bite you. Yeah. 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 It, it, and they were out rebounded. Let's see. It was 44, 31. The third quarter alone, it was 17, five. Right. The rebounding, they were, they were terrible in, in that, in that regard. And that's the big drop-off right now. And it's going to hurt them at some point in a big game, and they have to get that cleaned up. That You can't – It's the Warriors are tough enough to beat on the initial shot, but if you give them second chances and third chances and fourth chances like they did today, you have no chance to beat them. And I think one thing you're finding out really quickly is Kenneth, Kenneth Reed cannot play in this series at all. He just cannot stand out there defensively against this Warriors team. He just he just looked really bad out there defensively. Yeah, tonight. this was probably his worst game since he's been here, and, and maybe some of it is just the rust of you know he missed what five six games, so maybe that has something to do with it. I think that he can help them offensively in this sort of a series because of he's explosive and he can get to the rim and, and make things happen in that regard. But if he's going to be out there, he has to rebound. And he did not do that at all in this game. There was one Kevon Looney put back towards the end of the first quarter. That sort of stuff can't happen, and especially when you're having to deal with Boogie Cousins. And Cousins looked really good today, and that's going to be a factor if these two teams were to meet again. And I don't think that's something that none of us expected. Yeah, I think I did more than you did. Okay. Um, but he looked great today. He looked like a completely different guy from the guy that the Rockets saw last month. He looked like Sacramento Boogie Cousins. Yeah. So on that same token. Kenneth Freak can also hurt you if you if you're playing him at the power forward offensively. Like the Warriors did not respect him. Like they just left him like several feet away on the off on the three point line. They just did not respect his jump shot at all. Treating him like Draymond Green effectively. Uh, like and they 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 packed the paint, made it really difficult for the Rockets to get driving lanes. So I think in this kind of a series, like that big lineup of. Kenneth Farid and Clint Capella, just that's not going to work. I couldn't believe he went to it today. Yeah, I, I don't know if you felt the same way, but when I when I saw him throw that out there early in the game, I'm like, well, I'm really surprised that he's actually going with this yeah. because he had kind of shelved that lineup. You know, he you know he had to do it uh, when when they had all those guys hurt, but for the most part, they're I mean they're completely healthy right now. I was really surprised that he went to it against the scene. I don't know if maybe he wanted to try it out a second time and see because it did work in Oakland right. the last time they played, so maybe he wanted you know to confirm that maybe. Maybe this is a lineup that he can use, but I think he found out tonight it's just not going to work. I think what, what we're going to find out in a couple months is the Rockets did a lot of experiment, experimentation tonight. Um, they didn't attack Boogie uh, in pick and roll as much as they did last time in Oakland. They're, they're playing around a little bit, and they, 
they can't afford to because they have this they have the season series if it if it does come to that and i think honestly i think if it comes down to it i think they're gonna end up playing house more in, an, in a real golden state series because i think mike mike alluded to it in his press conference tonight like they're probably not gonna play kenneth freed like in the next next time they play Golden State, they're they're probably not going to play him, and they're probably going to sub in another wing, which I think is a smart play. And I wonder if they'd have done the house thing if that had gotten taken care of, let's say three days ago, right? And he got and, and, time. and house would have had a little bit more time right. just to be able to readjust if if things change. I think that you'll I think that you could see Fareed play center yeah. against them, but. If if they're going to play Cousins a lot, yeah. then that almost makes Nene really important. And Nene has not been a guy that they've used a lot against the Warriors just because they have not had that post guy. So Nene becomes a little bit more important in this series as opposed to what he was last year where he just really didn't play much against Golden State. Yeah, I just didn't expect Boogie to be this... Like I didn't expect him to be this effective this this soon after his Achilles. I I got to be honest. Like I just did not expect him to. He was just oh he was just bullying guys. Yeah. Like overpowering guys. Clint Capella was trying to front him so he wouldn't get the ball, and that didn't work. And like the the Rockets oftentimes had to foul him to just make sure he doesn't score. What impressed me was the way he ran the floor. Right. And he was beating everyone down the floor. And and I thought the Rockets' transition defense was really bad, especially early in this game. But you could see it. In the third quarter when he went off. I mean, he scored 20 points in the second half. But he was getting down quickly, and he was getting position, and they were getting him the ball in the, in the it, when they needed to because Thompson and Curry were relatively quiet after halftime, but it was all cousins after that. So the Rockets cleaned up some stuff that really that they had trouble with in the first half, but they could not adjust to, to cousins. Did you notice a difference in the way the Warriors played with and without Kevin Durant? Because I feel like they, they play a lot better without him. And I know that's a controversial opinion, but like they, they tend to move the ball a little bit more. They play through boogie. They, play, they do a lot more of their split cuts. They play a lot faster, I noticed. They rely less on isolation. Like, Did you feel like you saw a lot more of that? I, I kind of felt like... They use cousins almost in the Durant role, right? Where they would just kind of dump the ball into him and, and let and let him go to work. I think Durant is almost a crutch for them. Where if if things you know if things stall out for them, if things really slow down, they can just give him the ball and let him go to work because they know that he's going to get a shot whenever he needs one. Yeah. I think so. I think watching them play is so much fun just because of the way they move the ball and everything is so quick and they play at a speed that you're not used to that when they do actually stall and when things do slow down and, and they get bogged down then they have that that crutch where he's like all right just give the ball to the, to the seven foot guy mike d'antoni called more timeouts tonight that I, I feel like i've seen him call all week he called two in the first quarter alone both both coaches said I, I noticed this just you know early on in the game they can say that's ah, one game out of 82 this game meant a lot it it, it's, it's, it, yeah. it it meant a lot to both teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that they they wanted to play well against one another. Warriors are just trying to play better basketball at this point, and they're wake not going right. and they're not going to get a better challenge than what they faced in this game. I think both these teams know that it's them and nobody else in the Western Conference. I, I don't think that anything that that I have seen over the last month makes me think otherwise. This game meant a lot. They were both coaches were all over officials in this game. There, D'Antoni was all over his players, especially. I mean, you could see him really going after. Uh, he he went after um, Farid on one of those uh, on one of those uh, botched switches that left somebody. I think it was the Curry three where Curry hit like a thirty footer, and Farid, and 
Fareed just gave him too much space, and Mike's all over him <laughs> after that happened. His face would just get so visibly angry. Like yeah. he would turn red and just like pump his fist. Like what the hell are you guys doing? Like the, the two the two clenched fists are are that's that's the Dan Tony when he's really mad. It's yeah. it's fun. It's enjoyable. He's yeah. such a mild guy too. It's just funny to see him get so angry. It's just so funny to see the change in demeanor from both coaches from like a regular eight two game schedule to like this game. Like they treat this game as like. This is our like. This is the test. Like we've done homework all year. This is the goddamn test. Like they treat this. They treat each other like the the benchmark for where they need to be in the playoffs. And like I just think it's fascinating. I like they truly respect each other in a way that they'll never admit publicly. But I think it's like they get up for each other. I think. I think they would say it publicly. I, I just I, I think the Warriors. I don't would think the Warriors would. Uh, no, but they shouldn't. I mean, they've won three of the last four championships, and right. they're, they're probably the best team that I've ever seen. But no team has pushed them the way the Rockets have. And the Rockets, you go back to last year, Rockets are now 8-6 and six against the Warriors the last two seasons. I mean, nobody else is doing that to Golden State. Rockets had a chance to sweep the season series from them, and they've done it where, where they've had guys out. I mean, you look, Rockets beat them in Oakland without Chris Paul and Eric Gordon, and they beat them without James Harden. So both these teams have had major guys out when they played this season and the last three times they played the shorthanded teams won right which is fascinating yeah yeah i want to see a healthy matchup against these two teams like the last time we saw it i think it was game three of the western conference finals it's really a chess match between these two teams like it's like do you remember how the warriors and thunder used to treat each other like two or three years ago like I feel like that's this is the new rivalry for the for the Warriors this, for this the next three or four years. Well, I don't know about three or four years, but at the least this two, year, right? I, well, because you don't know things change. Well, things change in this league so quick, and you figure that I think the assumption is Durant's gone after this year, so that changes everything. And I think that kind of the West comes back down a little bit just to where more teams are are in the mix. So this might be the last time that we even get this opportunity where these two teams are this good because. I was thinking about this, um, even going back to last year, these two teams played in the Western Conference Finals in 2015, and they are so much better now than they were back then. It's remarkable. Yeah, the, like the Rockets are a totally different team from what they were back then. And so are the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. They, they play totally different too. Like they play a totally different style. The Warriors play much slower today than they did back then. And I feel like they were sharper defensively in 2014. Uh Although against the Rockets, they do really amp it up. Like as 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 we've learned, they really do coast in the regular season. Yeah. yeah, when they care, it's almost impossible to beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so going forward, where do you see this team ending up in the standings, and like what record do you see them finishing with? Record, I don't. I I haven't looked at it close enough to see where you know record wise. I think they can. Let's see, they've got what? What's forty? They got fourteen games left. So I think fifty-two. That's where I was at. Yeah, yeah. So, so going 10-4 and four the rest of the way, I think that that's a legitimate, you know, I, I think that that's something that they can get to. Um, I think they wind up third. I think they wind up third in the West. I think that they'll wind up with a better record than Oklahoma City. I don't think they'll catch a Denver, but I don't think they care. I think for them, just staying away from that 4-5, I think that matters to them more than getting up to 2-2, to and 1 is out of the question at this point. Another big picture question, where does House fall in this rotation? Because it, we were talking about this before the game, like it's it's going to be really tough to integrate him because he's got a lot of guys that D'Antoni trusts over him, like Gerald Green, Austin Rivers, um, Iman Shumpert. Like it's going to be really tough to integrate him. Yeah, I, I I don't know if he has 
if he gets huge minutes, I think he'll get opportunities yeah. and he's got to make the most out of those opportunities. I mean, I don't know how long the leash is going to be because I think the one thing that you've seen from Mike, obviously he trusts Rivers. Rivers is going to play. He trusts Shumpert. I think we're going to see a lot more Shumpert coming down the rest of the way. I think that they would really see he played 14 minutes tonight. I think they want him in the 20s, and I'm a little bit surprised that he hasn't been able to get into the 20s. Part of it is that he hasn't really been healthy. Um, I think it's going to be hard, though, for House. I really do. And sucks for Rockets fans. Rockets fans yeah, treat Daniel do. House like he's LeBron James, man. Oh, my God. But but it, it's, it's insane. It's hard just because they took a gamble by not signing the three-year deal. And, listen, I understand why they didn't do it, but if he doesn't have a chance to showcase what he can actually do, then is the gamble actually worth it? And so I think that they're counting on him to get minutes, and I think Mike's going to give him the opportunity. I think – Listen, it wouldn't shock me if he overtook Gerald Green in the rotation just because I think he's probably a better defender or he has the ability to be a better defender. But Gerald Green's been around, and trust is such a big thing with Mike. And when when Mike says of a player, I trust him, then that means the world to that player. And you know, I remember when he said that about Green last year. I remember I I told Gerald, hey, Mike said that he trusts you, and he just talked about how, how that meant the world to him. But that's when you've kind of... That that's when you've passed the D'Antoni test, is when he says that about you. Gerald was the seventh man that Warrior series. I think a lot of people forget when Mbappe Mute got hurt. Gerald became the yeah. seventh guy, like he became the go-to wing off the bench, which is insane. Yeah, like they were playing with PJ Tucker, Trevor Ariza, and Gerald Green. Yeah, and this was the guy that they found basically sitting on his couch in December, and all of a sudden he's playing huge minutes over a guy that they signed to a four-year, eighty million dollar deal a couple summers before that. Right. So what about these other teams? Do you see any of these other teams as a legitimate threat to the Rockets in the playoffs? Because, like, I'm looking at Oklahoma City, I'm like, they got a lot better. They got a lot. They're, they're a totally different team from where they were last year. Yeah, that, that team's really good, and they've given the Rockets problems just because Paul George against Harden, that's a tough matchup. That's a really tough matchup. Um, they, have a, they have other guys that can really defend. That's why it's so important for them to get to that three seed, because if you do, then you probably don't have to face Oklahoma City. And... I mean, you're only having to face one of Oklahoma City and Golden State and Portland if you can get to to the three seed. Uh, I think that's absolutely huge for them. Um, you look with six, seven, and eight, it's going to be, you know, San Antonio, Utah, and the Clippers. I would really want to face the Clippers just because they play hard and they're deep and they've got three former Rockets with a chip on their shoulder. And I think that that does matter. Just Patrick Beverly in a playoff you series. Think Patrick Beverly wants to play the Rockets. I think he would be so excited, and it would be so much fun to see that. In Toyota Center again? Oh, my God. I think for me, and I don't know how you feel, if I had to pick one of that six, seven, eight to play in round one, I think it would be Utah. Because the Rockets have, Rockets have played well against them in the playoffs. And there really isn't anybody on that team that terrifies you. I know Mitchell is really good. Yeah. But he can shoot himself out of a series, and let's be honest, Rockets pretty much handled them right. in that series last year. And the, and the Jazz have an interesting defensive strategy against Harden. They funnel him towards Rudy Gobert, and they take away the three ball in, in, the, in the middle. And Chris Paul just feasted in the mid-range in that series. So I, I, I think that's a pretty good matchup. I'd say the Spurs are another one to— I, I, I'd, Again, Spurs are a goofy team. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really it's hard goofy to get team. An angle on them. I'm not really sure what they are. They've won five games in a row or something like that. Six now. Six. Yeah. They they they're they just I don't know because the the metrics say they're a good defensive team, but I'm when I watch them, I'm just like they got Demar Derozan out there, Lamarcus Aldridge, and like I'm just like 
I'm not sure in a playoff series how good they are defensively against a team like Houston. The one problem that you have is that D'Antoni has always just str- he's been dominated in the playoffs by Pop. Right. Every time that they played, I mean, just D'Antoni getting to a game six is <laughs> doesn't happen very often. And obviously, two years ago, what happened when the two teams played, especially at the end of the series, that would be a little bit concerning. But they play in a couple of weeks. I, actually, I think it's next week when they play here. So I'm interested to see how that looks just on the floor again because they haven't played in a while. Right. And the Rockets handled them pretty much the last two times that they played. Yeah, this is a new iteration of the Spurs. It, it, it's a strange I, – I don't, they don't have the same cast of characters there anymore. It's hard to trust them the same way we trusted the old Spurs team. So I would say it's definitely a toss-up between the Jazz and Spurs for me. They San Antonio, it's almost like they have two teams where they have their starters and they focus on mid-range stuff, and then they have the bench, and that's who shoots all the threes for them. Right. And it's interesting, like how much a mid-range offense leads to a good defense. Like you, you look tonight, and when every time the Rockets had a long miss range, like a, a long three missed, like that would just immediately lead to a transition bucket for the, the the Warriors. I just think it's an interesting way that basketball is headed. Like if you can form if you can form a mid-range offense, it's funny how much that correlates to having a good defense. Well, and I don't want to go. I want to circle back to tonight's game because you know I talked about transition defense for the Rockets, and it was bad. Well, one thing that the Warriors do, and I think Draymond Green is maybe better at this than anyone in the league, mm-hmm. the way they push the ball after makes is so impressive. And next time, if these two teams play again this year, just watch. When Harden goes to the rim and either makes or misses a layup, especially when he makes one, and Draymond Green takes the inbounds pass, just watch how he just charges up the floor. Because the floor balance is off, Harden's over there under the rim, there's nobody else back there, that's when they really look to push, is when it is off of a made layup. And it's just fascinating to watch, because you don't see teams do that. You don't see teams really look to run after a made shot. You look, you know, teams like to run after a miss. Yeah, and a team like the Warriors are really dangerous in transition because that that's, that floor is spaced. They got shooters like you're Steph- scrambling. Yeah. You don't know who you're supposed to guard. Yeah, yeah it's and they're not athletic. Fun. It, it, it's it's a tough team to guard. So, any closing thoughts before we head out here? I just the Warriors are really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I just came off tonight so impressed by what I saw from the Warriors. I know it was a two point game, but when they turn it on, they're a different. Team. Yeah, it never really felt like the Rockets. There, there was one stretch at the at the beginning of the second half when the Rockets hit a couple threes. The one thing that would worry me, Rockets shot eleven of forty one from three. And listen, you can you know you can just say it's one game and pick one game out of eighty two, and you're going to have games where you don't shoot it well. And I have to look at this a little more closely, but they have not shot the three well against the Warriors. You go In back, general, they're like yeah. the middle of the pack three point shooting team. Yeah, it's not a good three point shooting team, but you know when you're shooting twenty six, twenty six, twenty seven percent from three, I mean that's really bad. Right, and especially a team like the Warriors who can make you pay when transition because of those long misses. I, I think they were somewhere in the low 30s in last year's series. Obviously, Game 7 was a nightmare from three. Um, How many did they miss again? <laughs> I, I, know that, I know they missed 27 in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think they shot 7 of 41 right. from three in that game. It was something like – it was obviously it was a terrible number. But it, at what point do you start to say, hey, we just – for whatever reason, we don't shoot the three well against this team? Yeah. And that becomes a little concerning. I don't know what – I have to go back and look and see what they've done against the Warriors from three the three previous games, but it hasn't been great. 
Yeah. And the problem is the both of these two teams just like deviate so much from what they normally do against each other because they're so good at guarding each other. Like it, the Rockets play like a totally different team against yeah. the Warriors. They, they take a long more, a lot more long twos than they normally do. Same thing with the Warriors. It, it's 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 fascinating how they kind of change the way each other's play. Well, they know each other so well, and yeah. even I think Steve Kerr said this um, yesterday. I don't know if there's a team that they have played more since he's been in Golden State than the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, they played three times in the playoffs the last four I think years. Kelly Iko told us today, like they played 35 times. It's not. It's since it's, Steve Kerr it's got something the job. along those lines. Right. And so you look. I mean, you're playing them three, four times in the play, in the regular season, and then they four played times at least in the playoffs. Well, the, and it's, they played 17 playoff games against one another. Right. The last over the last four years. So yeah, they they know each other really well. Right. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Subscribe to the Red News News Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And we're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify now by popular demand, so you can subscribe on there. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. Uh, follow me on Twitter at NBA. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Spillane. Yeah. And good night, guys.